Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Let's it oh! Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! How you doing, college basketball lovers? I'm Timmy Hall alongside Evil Bald Colin, and welcome to episode four of Mad About Hoops. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you and your families are all safe and happy and having a good time with one another, maybe feasting on some college basketball and all of these holiday tournaments that are everywhere. Colin, it's good to see you, man. Tim, it's good to see you too, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody also. I know this is a holiday that people kind of think of when when they think of Thanksgiving. It's football, it's the NFL, it's you got three games on that day, you're with your family and whatnot, but man, don't make any mistakes. There's some really good tournaments and some really good games going on right now in college basketball. You know, it's that it's that too. It, it certainly is football. I don't. I'm not here to say that you know college basketball is number one and it deserves to be like the sport, the sport to view during Thanksgiving. I I know where we are. I know where we are as a society. The NFL claims Thanksgiving, and rightfully so. You got the Lions. You got the Cowboys. When was it, like five or six years ago they started doing this night game on Thanksgiving? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, but that's I, cool. I, I do want to say there. that they, these tournaments do know their place with that because all of them seem to end on Wednesday. So you don't have many going into the Thursday or even Friday. Or they pick up the day after, that's right? right. That's or they right. start the day after Thanksgiving. But, you know, we we consider ourselves you know, right up at the top. I mean, it's the whole reason that we're doing this podcast. Like, we think of ourselves as two gigantic college basketball fans as big of fans as you will find anywhere like we we like to think we stack up with the best we've been around we've been to some great venues we follow a lot of different teams you know don't go back and listen to that I think our very first podcast where you came at me with some who's moved around the country in college basketball and I think I went over let's not go digging that up let's not go digging up the past but pretty good. And there are so many of these holiday tournaments that are going on all around us. It's hard to keep track of them. There are still, we have to look up some of our, you know, expert friends out there like the Andy Katzes, the John Rothsteins, the Seth Davises of the world. We tend to forget some of these holiday tournaments that are even occurring, CB. I, I, I'm just looking at ESPN's app right now. And, you know, right before coming on the show, I mentioned that there's one going on in a Hard Rock Hotel down in uh, Cancun, Mexico. Like, just these tiny little, I don't even know if they're like little matchups like the uh, Empire Classic where it was like four teams and you alternate whoever wins plays each other type of thing. But even then, at the same time, you're getting groups of teams that don't normally play each other together in pretty exotic places. It's actually pretty cool. You mentioned some of them already, but yeah, like I said, the Cancun one, there's one in the Cayman Islands. It's just, there's a lot of places you wouldn't even really think of when it comes to the term college basketball what's what's the cancun one called uh i don't the cancun challenge i believe cancun challenge okay well evil bald colin this is a great podcast today because we're gonna have our very first guest and i think he's a really interesting one to have on because of course we are sitting here in columbus ohio so we're gonna sort of keep 
one eye open on the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's a top 10 basketball team right now. Eric Montross. He is the seven-footer, national champ, North Carolina Tar Heel. He's been doing radio color commentary forever for those guys. They're playing in one of these holiday tournaments, too. I think North Carolina is at the Battle for Atlantis. So I think you're right. They're they're going to be down there getting ready. I didn't talk to Eric Montross about the Battle for Atlantis because, frankly, there's just so many other things to talk about with Eric Montross because we're going to be talking a lot about these holiday tournaments. And when you don't hear Evil Bald Colin in on the interview, don't think that he wasn't allowed to be in on it or he got kicked off of the podcast. Nope, couldn't make it. It's simply one of these scheduling things because we did not... We're not going to be talking to Eric Montross as we are recording this podcast right now. I had to do that a couple days ago. Wanted to get Eric Montross on. He had a certain time. Evil Bald Colin wasn't here, so had to go solo on it. But I think it was a really interesting conversation. We I hit can't on, wait to hear it. Yeah, we, we hit on a little bit of his time as a high school basketball player in Indiana. What that was like going from Indiana to North Carolina. Playing for Dean Smith, obviously, is going to be influential and have something to do with that. I even dug up some old audio back from the 80s. I found some, like, grainy audio from a Indianapolis news story about his team, Lawrence North, getting ready for another season of high school basketball. It's just quintessential Indiana hoops for me, which my – I don't know if you knew this, CB. My dad also played – Indiana high school basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. That's from. Did you know my parents grew up in Indiana? I, I've heard you mention it, but I mean, obviously, the backstory with your father playing basketball there. No, I haven't heard that. He might be actually somebody to talk to on the pod because he was a scout team player at Purdue. Oh, really? He was a pretty good. He was a pretty good Indiana high school hoops player. I think he averaged something like 14 or 15 a game his senior year up at Chesterton High School, okay. which is up in the northwest part of the state. So it was a pretty big league. Pretty good. I don't know if they called that league or district. You know what I mean. Whatever the teams they played in. I mean, if you look at that that modern district right now, they are sending, they're getting a few players into the Big Ten most years. The the schools that he would have played against. So Who did he play for under he, at Purdue? So it was right before Gene right Katie. Right before him? Right. Okay. Be, I think he graduated in 80. Yeah, that it was sounds about right. right, right before Gene Katie came in. Joe Barry Carroll was one of the players that he would have practiced against. Oh gosh. So, I mean, they gave you know, they gave those practice players tickets to the games at Mackey. Sure. They had like a special section to sit in. You weren't on the bench or anything like that. Maybe now like you might have those two or three rows right behind the bench with I, the managers yeah, and whatnot. With yeah. the student managers. I've always been curious how that worked out. But anyway, that's it's just a quick side story. Eric Montross will be the guest on the podcast. We're gonna get to him very shortly. And uh, Tar Heel basketball, of course, they're one of the premier teams in the country almost every year. Where are they? Who are they? A lot of turnover. They're still one of the top teams in the country. Everybody saw Cole Anthony's coming out party on night one this season. And in the coming weeks here, big matchup for Ohio State. Ohio State Hoops will have their first road trip. First road trip in Chapel Talk Hill. Talk about a first road game. At the Dean Dump. That's the one thing I don't like about Ohio State's no, schedule. No, I don't like it. I mean, I, I love the challenge, but I don't like that being the first road game. I mean, you think about it. At this point, you already played two road games last year. First game Cincinnati. at Cincinnati and then Creighton. Game three, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's crazy, right? So holiday tournaments. Just tell me a little bit about 
what always sticks out to you? D- does does it always just start with the Maui Invitational? It always does. Okay, so it like, like most hoops fans, because it's the best. It's usually the best field every single year. But I mean, we're sitting here Tuesday, and it's already we're one day in the books, and it's already the most. I, I want to say the most entertaining because it's the teams that you weren't expecting to advance on the first day already did. With Virginia Tech and Mike Young, and then you also had Dayton taking out Georgia, which Georgia maybe as a full team is not as great, but with Anthony Edwards there, that's a pretty dang good team. Well, Dayton, I think, is a team that everybody, everybody, everybody should take a look at Dayton. And if you don't know, know who Obi Toppin is, tell them about that dude. You're gonna find out about. I mean, he averages 24 points a game. I think uh, most of the uh, mock draft people have him as a first round pick right now going into the next draft cycle. Uh, Obi Top, he's only a sophomore. He's a nice, lengthy Brooklyn, New York kid, Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, New York. How often is four? How often is Dayton losing a guy after his sophomore season? Uh, unless <laughs> right? if it's uh, Giannis's brother who shouldn't have gone in the first place. Sure, right. Um, what, what's he rare. doing now? Nothing. Uh, I think he was like a late second round pick and is now floating around in the G League. But yeah, no, it's very rare to see that with Dayton. And I'm very interested to see, I mean, this is a season that Anthony Grant really needs to turn out a very good product, especially in the A-10. Starting off in the Maui with a a win over Georgia and then even getting a win over Virginia Tech to face a team like maybe uh, Kansas later on would be perfect for them. Yeah, I, I just think that it all starts with, when you look at these holiday tournaments, I've I've never been to one of them, and it's been on my bucket list for so long, it's just... It's one of the job hazards right it's, now. It's tough. Yeah, because we're we're sports radio guys, and this is just such a huge, it's just a crazy busy week for us. It all centers around the game, and ever since they moved the Ohio State-Michigan game to after Thanksgiving, it just it becomes impossible to yeah. do any kind of these college basketball trips or to do anything. The only, there's one guy around here that will luck in to doing these, we actually don't know. I don't. I can't say with a hundred percent certainty because Matt Andrews. It's most likely him. Is who is a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. CB, you say it's most likely him. He is the women's basketball voice. Is his normal job, and he is the sideline reporter for football. Now, usually he will go with football. Football seems to take a bit of precedence over early season women's basketball, and somebody will fill in with him on that. Unless he can make it work, I think like this year he's going to, he's going to do a men's basketball game on Friday night. On Friday night, but then fast forward to a week ahead, he's going to do, I believe, the big. He's going to do the men's basketball game right. at home on the same day that the Big Ten championship is in Indy. So at noon he'll be in Columbus doing men's hoops, filling in for the great Paul Keels. Then he'll drive to Indy. It'll be a eight o'clock, probably primetime kickoff, like right. it always is. Mm-hmm. So he'll do a sideline gig there, then drive back early morning and do a women's game on Sunday. I mean, that's crazy, yeah, right? He was talking about that yesterday, and he was just like taking it one day at a time. <laughs> but but I I know uh, Battle for Atlantis is next year for Ohio State hoops, and possibly Maui the year after. Possibly Maui the year after. That's a big event. I mean, that's something that you could certainly see. That would rise above having your backup play-by-play voice and not going to the third string play-by-play voice for something that big. 
Paul Keels, of course, you'd think no way, no how could you miss Ohio State, Michigan. But you might think Matt Andrews, you might have someone fill in doing sideline for him for the game. And he goes the biggest to do the issue, holiday tourney, yeah, which the, I would be, I, I would say, Matty, the biggest you issue, better do that. Yeah, the biggest issue with the Maui would be he'd have to fly out during the weekend prior because they start games on the Monday. So he would miss the week before Michigan if Paul was supposedly the person that was going to be calling the game. So that's why you would send Matt. But he technically would get back by the Michigan game, technically. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But, he's got, the pre- only- but he's got to prepare for what and Yeah, whatnot. no, no, no. Totally, totally right. Evil bald Colin. Yeah, my brain wasn't wasn't uh, computing it that way. Yeah, because the Maui, one of the great things we're, we're talking about here, it finishes up on Wednesday yep. before Thanksgiving. You'd have plenty of time to get back for Saturday. But you are right. It might be the game before. It might be the Saturday Most before. Because I don't know about flying out on Sunday when you are making the trip to Hawaii. You usually need that extra day to get your bearings just to get everything squared away. But I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who he's almost like the Matty Andrews of North Carolina. His okay. name's Dave Nathan. He does a baseball play-by-play there. Pretty good he, program. Pretty good program, absolutely. And he is the backup for men's college basketball. He used to do women's basketball there. I don't think he's doing it right now, but he does. He has a lot of responsibilities for the men's broadcast. I think he's almost like our Skip Mossick now where he sits there. Operations does and whatnot. Pre, they do like a, a hefty pregame, like probably an hour for UNC hoops, and I totally get that. Then the halftime and the postgame. But he was telling me Jones Angel, who took over for the great Woody Durham when he passed, he he did not go to Maui. Like he stayed back doing Carolina football, and I like my head almost blew up. I was like, wait a minute, what? Like I get it, I get it for Ohio State football here and how that takes precedent. But wh- why wouldn't you like march into whoever's office and say no? Yeah, no, I, I don't agree. Dave with Nathan that. is not going to Maui. I'm going to Maui. That's that's how it's done. For a lot of different reasons, I would be on the guy's side of saying no. I'm going to Maui. More important, I mean, more importantly, that the basketball program is what you know is what North Carolina is known for. But at the same time, I mean, a trip to Maui versus I don't know. They're playing a home game versus Duke in football. I think I'll take the basketball trip. More uh, more on some of these holiday tournaments before we get to our conversation with with Eric Montross, the Carolina legend, national champ, seven-footer, top 10 draft pick in the NBA also. And uh, a lot like Tyler Hansbro, he had himself a bloody game where his eye got busted up. It wasn't quite like Tyler Hansbro's nose just exploding when Gerald Henderson came in with the most egregious foul I've ever seen and then to listen to Billy Packer for five minutes, watch it again and again, and talk about how clean of a play it was. <laughs> it was one of the it was one of the biggest head spinning moments I've ever had as a as a college basketball fan. Not just the Henderson foul, but how Billy Packer took it. And you're like, okay, it might be time to go to a more modern guy here. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> but either way, so we got the Maui, we got the battle for Atlantis that we talked about. Battle for Atlantis, Michigan, Iowa State, UNC, Bama, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Oregon. I'd say that one wins, right? Most most star power in one event. Yeah, you know, after thinking about we always expect Maui to be that bigger name uh, tournament with better programs. But, I mean, just the teams that are building up this season and who are going to be in the battle for Atlantis, you can't deny that that's probably the better field. It fluctuates, too. Oh, you for sure. No, no fault, no fault for the Maui. You want to change up your field, 
you want to get like a mixed bag of programs. I love how Maui always is Shamanad like too. Ago, that's two, that's such a cool thing. Right. But two years ago, you wouldn't expect Seton Hall to be a team Correct. of what they, right. what they are now. It's almost like with football scheduling where oh, yes. Ohio State sets up a matchup with Cal back when they were on the rise and looking really good. And by the time they played the game, Cal is not even close to a, a ranked program. Same thing with their Virginia Tech football series. You see that all the time in football. It's actually stupid what they're doing, how they're scheduling like 10, 11, 12 years out. Some of us don't even know if we're still going to be on the planet by the time those games are played. Right. <laughs> and then if you're and then if you're like talking about going to one of the games with like your grandfather or something, then you really do need to wor- need to worry about things like that. I don't know if we'll actually be able to do it. But the Maui, like we said, Georgia, Dayton, Virginia Tech, Michigan State, Kansas, BYU, UCLA, pretty good stuff there. I hate how I'm seeing like high in a lot of analysts lists the 2K Empire Classic, which has already happened, and that was just four teams. That that to me does not count. It's not a tournament. No, it's, it's, two, it's two games. And I love how they crowned Duke the champion after winning the, the like the two games. And I'm like, <laughs> no, yeah, really. Yeah. Of on. course, Duke was going to be the champion. Well, I take my money on Duke winning any preseason ter- or early season tournament they're in. Most likely, yes, but a four team little. You know, split like that? No. Yeah, Duke. It was uh, Duke beating Cal and then Duke beating Georgetown, right? Because. That is right, yes. Because Georgetown Texas and Shar. See. Texas had it and blew it. See previous episode, yes. right? See previous episode and Mad About Hoops about our Shaka Smart discussion. We just got into a big, long discussion about Shaka. So you got the, here's one, sneaky, sneaky holiday tournament. All right, everybody? And I don't know if this will be so every single year, but it's in, I don't know if it's Niceville or Niceville, Florida, but I've been to the area before, but I'm not familiar with that actual town or that city. I saw that's close to the Fort Walton Beach Airport. So that's the Destin area, the panhandle of Florida, okay. Emerald Coast. So there you go. And you've got Florida State and Tennessee and Purdue and VCU. And that's also not like... A couple of ranked teams in there. It's a couple of ranked teams. The phone goes off. Apologize for that. But the other teams, there's four other teams playing in this that are just to be forgotten about. But those four, they really pack a punch. Yeah, it's funny how they built that. It said, okay, let's get four teams that can get eyeballs right away. And the teams you mentioned. And then there's four that said, okay, who can we get to come here? Chicago State, a team that's only won 16 games in a four-year stretch. And then uh, I forget the other three teams that were involved, but just the disparity between the good and the bad. It might not look pretty in the first couple of early games, but, I mean, you're going to probably have a pretty good championship game with the teams lined up in that. You got the Charleston Classic. You got these two South Carolina attorneys that happen now, the Myrtle Beach Invitational and the Charleston Classic, which – those ones actually were last week, and they finished up. You got to see uh, a team like Baylor look really good. Baylor, did Baylor win the championship there, or did they get upset in the final game? Uh, did it's Baylor... all running together now. I think Baylor beat Villanova, right? Baylor did top Villanova. I think that was the championship. That was, I thought Villanova got upset somewhere along the way. No, it, I think Villanova. It was a really good field, though. It Nova really only has field. two losses. So so Baylor did beat them. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a good tournament. You had some good things happen there. I really like Scott Drew's team this year. The Baylor Bears are looking good. Their uh football team's looking pretty fantastic right, right now too. You the talk Charleston about one, I think was both. uh the Charleston one I believe was Florida over Xavier in the title game. Yes, Florida did beat Xavier. Now I remember that one. That was Sunday. That was this past Sunday. Who? 70 to 65. Don't look at I mean look out now. 
Florida, after those two early games where they didn't look very good, are starting to get their legs underneath themselves. Oh, you're n- now you're going to talk all all big about Florida, no, right? No, 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 no. Because they're your guys. They're just looking like the team we were starting to expect to see. Kerry Blackshear and and Mike White's team, they're starting to play like how teams thought they would. They're young. They have a lot of young guys that are getting valuable minutes, but they're starting to look like they're coming in the form. Yeah, by the way, we were right. Baylor did beat Villanova 87-78. At the Myrtle Beach Invitational, uh, and you know what? Uh, Colin Gillespie had 27 points in that game. He was 10 of 18, so he was going nuts offensively. And the Bears were able to withstand and hold it together right there. There's all these. There's all these other. Then you get into some of the tournaments here that you just tend to forget about that wind up being pretty good because so many teams are now playing in them. You've got the Orlando Invitational, right? Teams like Maryland and Temple. A&M and Harvard, love that, right? Oh, wow. Marquette nice. and Davidson. I mean, that that's a fantastic field right there. The Legends Classic, which is just a little thing that's up in uh, Brooklyn. You got Auburn and New Mexico. You've got uh, Wisconsin and Richmond. These uh, that that game, those games were on Monday here. Yeah, those games were on Monday as we're recording here on the, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Las Vegas has got something. The Las Vegas Invitational. You've got Texas Tech and Iowa, San Diego State and Creighton. Then you, we we stumbled into this Hall of Fame tip-off classic, and this one this one already happened as well. It was Virginia and UMass, Arizona and St. John's, and they played this. I guess somewhere near the Hall of Fame, but it was in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Arena. You've been going on and on about this. I if don't it's get not it. close to Springfield, it shouldn't count in your opinion. I mean, I guess it's I guess you could have it anywhere you want and still call <laughs> still make it be in, in honor of the basketball hall of fame, but decent field. You've got the wooden legacy that happens out in Anaheim, Providence, Wake Forest, Charleston. I love how Charleston is going to the wooden legacy when they have the Charleston Classic. And UCLA, where they're not even playing in their former coach's name, little tournament or classic, whatever, Mm -hmm. went out to Maui. They go out to Maui, but hey, I guess you can... I don't know if Charleston's not allowed to play in the Charleston Classic, like rules with uh, NCAA tournament sites. Well, Coastal Carolina hosted the Myrtle Beach one, and they played in it. Sure, yeah, and they were playing on their home court. Weren't they? Yeah. They yeah, they were out there with the, the Chanticleer lettering and the Coastal Carolina on the baselines. They That's were at their right. home gym there. Central Florida and Penn, Pepperdine and Arizona. So decent stuff at the Wooden. Then uh that's 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 about it. There's still actually much more. You talk about the Cancun Challenge, the Paradise Jam and the Virgin Islands where Cincinnati lost to bowling green and and they, uh, did they, and they I didn't see the score. Almost did, lost to Valpo, but beat Valpo in overtime. A sub 300 Kempom team. What's going on with Cincinnati? It's early and they got a new coach. But they they can't score. I mean, outside of the Cumberlands, I can't find scoring on that team. Yeah, well, I hope I hope that they get it together. I oh, really I sure do. do too. Bowling Green did lose to Nevada, so they lost that tournament championship, mm. 77 to 62. All right, holiday tournaments. We certainly hope that you guys enjoy them. What do you say now? We welcome in our first guest on this Mad About Hoops podcast and say hello to our guy, Eric Montross. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's always nice to talk with you. And and, and uh, I will tell you that before we get started, probably the most, the thing that you, and Tim, you know a lot of things. 
but this is one that you did not know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Um, there is a right-handed pitcher for the Buckeyes in his sophomore year. His name is Garrett Burhan. And I want all of your listeners to pay very careful attention to his career because he is, not because of this, but I want them to pay attention to his career. For me, I pay attention to his career. In fact, I was there watching him last year uh, during the NCAAs. We were uh, able to be up there and play in Columbus. Had the good fortune to watch Garrett. His father is my best friend. And, uh, and so uh, I have a special interest in the Buckeyes these days, and in particular, Buckeyes baseball. Get out of here. And so, okay, yeah. I, can, I can already, I, as soon as you started saying that, Eric, I went scrambling right there because I got my desktop right in front of me. Garrett Burhan, the 6'3", 220-pound uh, right-handed pitcher, and he's from Indianapolis, Indiana. So I, yes, see, I see it right there. That's where one Eric Montross is from and, of course, went to Lawrence North, which, as Buckeye fans know, is also the same high school that the great Greg Oden went to. That you know what exactly. you, you hit me with something I didn't know, Eric. And I, as as a co-host of the Buckeye Show, I'm a little bit ashamed of myself now because we've talked to <laughs> Coach Greg Beals. We were really proud of the the Ohio State baseball team for winning the Big Ten tournament this year. Yeah, they they came out of nowhere and did that, and uh, first year in a long time that that had been the case. And so Garrett uh, had a great first season for them as a rookie, and um, promising promising future for him. And he's really enjoyed the school and the coaches. And uh, so, you know, for the first time in a long time, I've got a, uh, I've got a personal tie to Ohio state. Well, there's, there's some other ties to, to Ohio state that you've got on your team right now. I think it's uh, it's our guy, Jeremiah Francis. You got two Columbus kids, Sterling Manley and Jeremiah Francis that I think are both out with injury as we're as we're speaking here it's November 22nd and I don't think either of those guys played in the Elon game which was which was in the middle of week 3 correct Eric That's correct they they have not played and uh, you know I don't I don't really have a timeline on those two young men but great guys I mean both of them go out of the way to be engaging um, both of them hard workers and uh, just uh, been a treat to be. Obviously, Jeremiah has been on the team for just uh, just a few months, but uh, but Sterling's been with us now for a couple years, and um, both those guys are doing a lot for the for the university. Yeah, and Jeremiah Francis, his dad played at Ohio State, and he averaged. Uh, he averaged double figures back in the uh, mid '80s. He played at Ohio State a little bit, or I guess w- when was your first year? I, was it late '80s for you, Eric? When you got to 1990 on the dot. So yeah, it was. Uh, Jeremiah's dad was leaving Ohio State in uh, 1989, so you would have just missed by one year. But Eric, uh, a lot of people are talking about Cole Anthony. Garrison Brooks is a guy that's been there. North Carolina, look, always has a really good team. How do you feel about your squad losing a lot of key players from last season? Yeah, well, certainly losing a ton of key players. Certainly Kobe White, one of the most notable with the fifth pick, and he's uh, doing well in Chicago. And then Nasir Little, who got a chance coming uh, coming off. Uh, he was playing behind uh, a couple guys, and one of them got injured, and he's gotten some playing time, and he's doing better. Cam Johnson. Uh, certainly having a, had a surprise draft, not surprising for those of us who knew him, but I think surprised a lot of people 
going uh, going that high. And then um, Luke May and Kenny Williams also lost them. So really, you, you, we lost five tremendous players, two of them early, the rest to graduation. Uh, but I think that this year's team is a, is a good team. Um, you know, it's always a little bit hard when you look at Roy Williams' coach teams. It's a little bit hard to determine just what their you know you know their DNA. You just don't know how that's going to translate into the into success as you go through the season. Historically, Coach Williams' teams have taken some lumps early, but they've really rounded into fine shape by the end of the season. Um, and I think that's what we may be seeing right now. You know, anytime you have a freshman point guard, even Cole Anthony, who's uber talented, uh, you know, he's a guy that struggled the last couple of games with his shot. But in the first home game, um, he he just burned down the net. So I think that he's a, he's a tremendous asset for the team. Um, he's a really good leader of the team. He works exceptionally hard. The coaches think of him as a sponge. Uh, they love the, how enthusiastic he is about being coached. And I think that's coming from a young man that, that most everybody or everybody expects to leave after one year. So to have that kind of investment in his teammates and in the in the staff and in the program uh, is is a real is a real good thing. A high high praise yeah. for him there. You know, Armando Baycott is the other guy you didn't mention. Garrison Brooks certainly a guy. Yeah, Baycott uh, played well against Elon. Yep, and Baycott at almost seven feet is um, gives us something that we haven't had in a while. I mean, Tony Bradley would be the most recent example, I would say, um, but of a of a guy who he has good hands. He runs the floor. I think he runs the floor better than Tony did, um, but he can make he can make plays inside. He's a good rebounder. Um, you know, when he plays against Elon. Although Elon uh, has a good team this year, uh, he, I think that he has to prove himself um, against bigger, more mature players within the conference, to be sure. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's an uphill battle for a freshman big man. I mean, you look around the country, there have just been very few that have come in and had dominant performances for actual post players um, because it's just a different style of game. And so... Uh, his, his play is in the post. I think he's off to a very good start. He had three blocks against Elon. Um, but um, we start off on a fast pace with the remainder of the battle for Atlantis next week in the Bahamas. Yeah, no doubt about it. Eric Montross is with us here on uh, Mad About Hoops, your official college basketball podcast here from your boys at The Fan. And talking about Carolina basketball, we're going to have a game between Ohio State and North Carolina in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in Chapel Hill. Fans here are really excited about seeing that matchup. What what do you remember or what have you tracked with Ohio State's head coach, Chris Holtman? Because I went back and looked and he, he did play you guys when he was at Gardner-Webb. I think it was the first game of the regular season, maybe back in 2012 or 13. And then, of course, you had a matchup with him in the NCAA tournament when he was at Butler. Right, and so I, you know, I, I certainly don't um, pay as close attention as to you and your listeners to to what coach is doing up there. But I think that one of the things that is so really across the board imperative for folks to understand is that it takes a while for coaches to really get um, to get things underway. And I think that's something that patience is, uh, as they say, patience is a virtue. Nobody wants to wait for it, but I think that he's got a lot of ability, and I think that is. Uh, fortitude and, and the way he coaches uh, and the interest that he takes in the kids and the program that he's coaching 
will hold you in good stead. Yeah, I will tell you, Eric, since you were so kind and giving me all of those good things about your team, when you get ready for this game, you're going to be like looking to tell your listeners like who the guys to watch are, who the glue guys are. And I, mean, I know you, I know you can do your own research way better than I could because you played the game. But the dude that is on our team that won't score a lot of points, but he starts. His name is Kyle Young. Like that is the the hustle guy, the guy that will hit you with a backdoor cut and throw down and catch an alley oop dunk. He will get offensive rebounds. And then the one stud freshman that the Buckeyes have this year is DJ Carton, this kid out of Iowa who it's just a matter of time before he takes off and soars. And C.J. Walker you might be familiar with because he played in the ACC and was with Florida State. He's one of the good scrappy guards that had to sit out a year and is now playing for the Buckeyes. So we're really excited about that game coming up. I I want to shift it in in another gear here while we still have a few minutes left with you, Eric. And we we called this podcast Mad About Hoops mainly because me and uh, the guy that I'm doing the podcast with, who's just not here right now to do this interview, so he didn't just disappear from the podcast, our guy Colin Behringer. But we we just love the sport. We absolutely adore it. We grew up with it. We had some kind of connection to it. I, I want to know just from you at a very basic level, when was it? How did it start? How did you fall in love with this great game? Well, I think it, I think the bug bites a lot of people at different times. Uh, for me, it was just playing in a church league in Indiana. And then of course, uh, you know, uh, Indiana has quite a history of basketball. Um, and so I think that at that point you start to just be around really good coaches. Um, I remember my seventh grade coach, Elmer Kaberski, my eighth grade coach, uh, coach Mitchell, uh, Ron Mitchell, those guys were uh, really instrumental in giving me a chance as a as a long lanky kid that probably didn't belong on a basketball court, but they they wanted to invest in me and teach. And then um, you know Jack Kiefer, who's at Lawrence North, of course you mentioned Greg Oden, he coached him as well. And uh, but Jack's been there forever and is a really wonderful coach. Uh, Dave Irwin, who was his assistant, um, would work with me before school uh, at six o'clock in the morning, we'd work out for an hour. Um, we'd stay late. He would always meet me. He never had, an, never gave me an excuse. He was always there and really invested in me. And I think that more than any one thing, if you have somebody that invests in you uh, or multiple folks who invest in you as a young kid, then it's easy to enjoy the game and to love it. And, uh, and then you just have to work. And that was something that, all those guys uh, certainly contributed. I had a little uh, a little surprise for you. I went back and I found some audio from the early, uh, actually from the late 80s here, and it's from WRTV in Indianapolis, and it's just, it's so, it's so Indiana. You see, my, my dad grew up in Indiana. My mom and my dad are from Indiana, and he played high school basketball, and he was a scout team player at Purdue. I, I know a little bit about what you're saying and how special it is to people from the state of Indiana. Like when, when my dad visited the state basketball hall of fame, he watched some like video that was in one of their little uh, theater rooms there. And he had tears in his eyes when he was you know coming out, coming out of the room, he's 60 some years old and it's been that long since he played. But I had this, that's just sort of, this is high school basketball a season starting up in Indiana. They're the ones that want to come in here and do it. They, our gym is a very busy gym and so we really can't get in it once we close it down for the summer and 
and uh, so they're, they're kind of antsy. The sense of urgency here at Lawrence North is genuine. Last year, a highly touted Wildcat ball club lost in the sectional. They felt they should have done better. This year, they planned to. Uh, last year, we uh, didn't do too well, as, as everybody knows, and it was real disappointing for everyone, especially the seniors. And this year, we look to just come back and take it out on everybody because we, we got this burning inside. We got to get it out. Me and Eric played together in the summer, and we talked about it all summer, and we really want to do well and just put people away early and not mess around like we did last year. So I dug that up for you, Eric, and I'm sorry you had to just listen to a young you, but you mentioned... Yeah, well, it sounds like it sounds like I was uh, running wind sprints during the interview. <laughs> I, you, you were on the court, so you had clearly, you were in the middle of practice, and you had the, the practice uniform on, uniform on as well, and your teammate Todd Leary, who, wow, what an interesting yeah, story his is, too. Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But Eric, r- real quick, what was that like for you leaving Indiana to go to North Carolina. There's been so many just wild recruiting battles between those two blue bloods, you know, leaving Indiana to go to UNC. There's been players leaving Carolina to go to Indiana. It's what was that like making that decision? Well, I think, you know, it's a very selfish decision for every high school um, student and, and for a prospective high school or college player. Uh, And that's the thing that it really came down to. And so, I was always very much at peace with it because I felt like it was the right decision for me. Um, but, you know, when I was playing in, in high school in Indiana, um, there were no high school classes. It was, it was the a la the movie Hoosiers. And, uh, and so it was something that it, it was deeply passionate for everyone. Of course, that was in Coach Knight's heyday. Uh, and if you grew up in Indiana and were going to high school in Indiana, then the expectation was that you would go play for one of the best coaches that, had ever coached and uh, albeit that he had some unique yeah, let's just say some unique ways of coaching and going after things um, he was still one of the great minds of coaching and so I remember that coach Smith and he were close friends uh, coach Smith talked to him about coming to recruit me because it was in his backyard and uh, and there was that uh, that aspect but it was uh, it was an amicable one and one that they still uh, they were quite close as coaching buddies, um, although very different personality-wise. So, you know, to me, to leave Indiana, uh, I was I grew up and loved the state, still love the state, but uh, it was the right fit for me. And so, at that point, from that perspective, it was a pretty easy decision. Yeah, it was a good call, Eric. You won a national championship. You played for Dean Smith. I know because it was my home for four years. My son was born there. North Carolina is a special place to us, and it's a it's a great place to live and a great place to stay. So I'd I'd say it all worked out. Hey, I want to thank you, uh, Eric Montrose, everybody, for for joining the podcast. Mad about hoops and just talking some ball with us. Really appreciate it, Eric. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome, Tim. And remember what we started off with. You may be mad about ball or mad about basketball, but this 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 one started off with baseball. So, Garrett Burhan, baby. Uh, Garrett Garrett Burhan. He's your he's your. If you don't have a favorite pitcher for the Buckeyes, he is he is your new favorite pitcher. Remember that Eric Montross's best friend's son, right there here in Columbus, Ohio, playing Buckeye baseball. That's awesome, Eric. Thanks again, man. Okay, thank you so much. Look forward to watching how things go for you, Tim. Always appreciate. Uh, your interviews and your thoroughness and wish you the very best.
And we certainly do appreciate Eric Montross being the very first guest on this Mad About Hoops podcast, episode four. It was really nice of him to give us the time there. Evil bald Kyle, and I promise you're going to be in on the next uh, interview and all the interviews after. We'll get that scheduling worked out. We have some big names coming up, don't we? Or at least we're trying to. We're trying to reel in some big ones. Hunting. we got to hunt down the biggest and the best. Right. Maybe we can get Bobby Knight to come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Could you imagine that? If we just, If we just talk crap about Indiana just from the get-go. Bobby can wish death upon more people. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Don't you love how how Dan Patrick handled that, too? (laughs) Yes. We're going to be the reason he gets in trouble again. It's like, oh, well, Bobby, some of them are dead. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, right. That's an interesting take. So before before we check out... We got to do like we always do with Evil Bald Collins' mid-major flavor. Now, this could be interesting because, again, holiday tournaments everywhere. And, that, that, by the way, that's what we've chosen to call them here. That's just what we've chosen to call them. That's our terminology. We've heard preseason tournaments. We've heard the season's already non-conference started, tournaments. Right. right? Yeah, the season, it, preseason tournaments doesn't make any sense to me because we're almost to December. Never got that one. No, absolutely not. It's like how they call it a home and home series. You went on about that. You the talk other day. about. I did go on a miniature rant <laughs> about that. Why don't we call them home and away series? We're we're talking about it from our perspective. It's we're playing at home. We're playing away. We're not playing two home games. Home for them, I guess. I can't give you a good explanation on that, but I do have a really good major flavor for you today. All so right. we have. Where are you going? What conference? What part of the country? Well, are we I'm in? heading out west because there's heading a out west. big, big matchup Friday night. So when you're done with all your Black Friday shopping, you Black can Friday. Pull up on the couch. We're gonna go out west. St. Mary's is gonna be hosting Utah State, but I want to highlight Utah State because this team, they could pull off what Murray State failed to do last year, which is. You know, have that really outstanding player that can lead them on a trip down to, I don't know, Sweet 16, maybe a run to the Elite Eight if they really get hot. But Utah State has a lot of talent. They have more, I think they have four guys. They got guys. Merrill, right? Sam Merrill is the yeah. guy I'm highlighting. I mean, this guy's a first team All American caliber player. Um, they're 7 and 0. They're trying to go out to St. Mary's, which would be a huge game in the mid major levels. Uh, you got guys like Alfonso Anderson, who was a tra- JUCO transfer in from like North Idaho. No one really knew a whole lot about him. Okay, and okay. He's, he's aver- you do. <laughs> he's averaging 14.7 points per game. is really big for this team. Also, Nemus Kada, who's currently hurt right now for uh, the Aggies, is also another big name player. He's a seven foot kid out of Portugal, averaging 11.8 points per game. This is a team that had a lot of depth. Last season, Merrill was obviously the guy leading the squad. They didn't really perform well when they played here in the Columbus uh, section of the bracket. I think they lost to, I can't remember off the top of my head. But this is a very good team under Craig Smith, the head coach for the Aggies. I'm looking forward to this team. They're a top 15 team, so it's not hard to pick them as a mid-major team to keep your eye on. But, man, Sam Merrill has the ability to lead this team come tournament time. That's what you need as a mid-major, a guy that can carry you. Are, I think are, he can do Are it. you saying that Utah State just played in Columbus? They played I in com- the Columbus location, yes. I completely forgot about that because I was only able to go to the second day of action at Nationwide Arena. But they, yeah, I'm looking here, they lost to Washington. I, that's and so right. Wa- Washington I ha- then got mm. run out of the gym by Carolina. That's right. And Carolina advanced 
out of Columbus in the tournament in 2019. And Sam Merrill, God love him. You feel for those guys that pace their team, that lead their team. They have to provide something if they're going to win in the tournament. He was two for nine. I remember this because... We'll I get picked to, him. We'll, I remember yeah, this clearly. We'll, we'll get to this in a future podcast. If you don't play fantasy March Madness... You must, you must, you must have a draft with your buddies and pick players and track their scoring in the tournament. It is the most fun thing. You thought fantasy football was great. Wait till you get involved in all the fun throughout the tournament. Gets you a lot more invested in the tournament itself. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, The little nugget since you went with Utah State for your mid-major flavor. I don't know how many people know this, but if you can think back to when the and one mixtape tour was firing on all cylinders. They had a dude by the name of Ballaholic. Of course, everyone sort of became faceless because you got the nicknames and you just knew people by their nicknames. You had really no idea who the actual person was. And I think we're still the early stages of the internet. So you weren't really running to your keyboard just, oh, I got to find out who this guy is, find his backstory. No, you just took it for what it was. Ballaholic is Cardell Butler a former Utah State Aggie. Huh. Yeah. What an interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always, always remembered that. Ballaholic and one mixtape tour. So, you know what? I think I'm wrong. I'm looking right here and it says Ballaholic is from the College of Southern Idaho. And who the heck was the, who the heck was the Utah State guy? I could have, I could have sworn it was Cardell Butler. I don't understand. Unless he played at two places. Oh, yep. Okay. He did. He played for both. Bingo. Still right. I was right. I was wrong. I'm right again. Even College back of Southern Idaho, Utah State. Thank you, Internet, for solving that. Even back then, the transfer portal was alive and well. <laughs> All right. Uh, evil bald Colin. It was uh, fantastic. We had our longest podcast yet because we had Eric Montross on. So I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Holiday tournaments. We'll be back next week. We'll be breaking down everything that happened in the holiday tourneys, and we're going to have some December conference action to start looking ahead to, so it'll be a lot of fun. What are you most thankful for? I'm just thankful for the opportunity we get to cover the sport, not just the sport, but all the sports and all the teams and, you know, just the access we get. And obviously with all the family stuff and whatnot, you're thankful for that, but that's just kind of something that it keeps yeah, on yeah, growing yeah. each and every year. Something new and something I get deeper into each year when I'm here. I love the availability I get with teams and players and whatnot, so mm-hmm. I like that. I'm thankful for anyone that's going to listen to this podcast and subscribe. That too. No doubt about it. The friends, the family, everybody that showed us this great game and got us, got us involved with it. That's awesome. So we can't wait. Next week, it's Mad About Hoops. I hope you guys have a very, very... Happy holiday, happy Thanksgiving, and then uh, we're steamrolling towards the Christmas holiday. So, oh boy. All right, everybody. Conference games are coming soon, too. Yep, conference play. We cannot wait for it. We'll see you guys next time. Mad About Hoops.